look what he says here. He says, then I will listen and you will seek me and you will find me. Uh Oh, here's this phrase. When you do it with all of your heart. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Joe, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for our church. We so appreciate you. We just wish you the very best during this month of pastor appreciation, but we do appreciate you every day. All the time. And I went to heaven and you were there with me We walked upon the streets of gold beside the crystal sea We heard the angels sing. We love you. We appreciate you. And, and you do so much for us and we can just feel your love. And because of your love we are growing because of your concern we are growing and being able to share that love with others praise you and god bless you then he said but wait you used to teach my sunday school when i was only eight and every week you would say a prayer pastor we thank you for everything that you do you have blessed my life and really helped me on my walk and I appreciate your words of wisdom and you being that for me and supportive thank you for everything you've done just wanted to say we love you pastors hi this is Beth and I just wanted to say how much we love and appreciate all of our pastors we love each and every one of you and your wives don't forget that okay Pastor, um, just want to wish you a um, ha- happy Pastor Appreciation Month. Um, you deserve it. Um, God bless you. We thank you for all that you do for us and your support, your love, your encouragement, and what God has placed on your heart to teach us. Um, we'll take it. We'll take it to heart. We'll take it and use it and spread it to the world. But thank you for the opportunity um, and just want to wish you the best, you and Jewel, and, and God bless you. Happy Pastor Appreciation Month to all the pastors and their wives that work endless hours with texts and phone calls 
and all the things that you do. I really appreciate it. And I just want you guys to know from John and I, always in our prayers, we love and support you all. Thank you for what you do. Pastors, we appreciate all of you. You just give us great joy in our lives. And Lord, you really have helped us spiritually. Thank you and take care and bless you. And thank you for being here. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for everything you do. You do so much and we appreciate it all. so much for all that you guys have done for us. Hi, pastors. I just wanted to tell you guys how much I love and appreciate you. Pastors, thank you for all you've done in my life and my family's life. We love you. Hey, pastors. Thank you so much for believing in us. We appreciate you guys so much for everything you've done for us and for being there for our family. And I would say thank you for opening your arms and loving us. We love you, pastors. One by one they came. Thank you, pastors. And thank you. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Little things that you have done. Sacrifices made. I noticed on the earth. In heaven. Now proclaim. I know up in heaven You're not supposed to cry But I am almost sure There were tears in your eyes As Jesus took your hand And you stood before the Lord He said, my child, look around you For great is your reward We just want to thank you, pastors, for uh, everything that you do for us, all that your love that you give us, your unconditional love, and we just want to bless you a wonderful year, but especially this month. And we just thank you so much for everything that you do. In the bottom of our heart, thank you. We love you. Pastors Appreciation Month. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of our wonderful pastors here at BLCC. 
thank you so much for all that you do. Each and every one of you are such blessings in our lives. We love you and appreciate you. Thank you again. Would you all stand with me and just say an extra special thank you. We appreciate you so much. We love you guys. You're not supposed to do that before we preach. Praise the Lamb of God. I was, uh, I try to get into the prayer room every morning that I'm not doing something up here. I'm not doing worship or I don't have a meeting pre-planned. And uh, this morning I was in the prayer room and I was so grateful to the amount of people that were in there praying. And I shared a little bit of my heart. I said, guys, I'd sure love to see it where we don't have the 10 or 12 people in here. But we have our sanctuary full of people praying. You know, we'll shorten the worship, the, the practice time, and, and uh, get people in here praying. Why? Because what happens in there changes what happens in here. That's right. And uh, myself and the rest of the pastors, we, we understand. It's not the guy that stands behind this pulpit. We, we sure like to think it is. But it's not. It's all the people on their knees. It's all the people with their hands lifted up that make it all change. So for that, we thank you. We thank you. You have made victorious life. My wife and I and, and the other pastors, we, we're just so grateful to serve in this ministry. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning, would you? You can, you can be seated. You know, I want to, I wonder if we could go back to that song that, that we did just a moment ago, just for a few, just a, f- a few bars of it, Cornerstone. And then I want to do a short reprise of, of, of uh, God is here like we were going to. And I want you to look at me, please. Victorious life is not going to get you to heaven. Calling yourself a Christian is not going to get you to heaven. The dedication of heart to Christ, our cornerstone, that's what gets you to heaven. In these hours that we live, you've heard me speaking about this as I've been dealing with this issue on spiritual warfare. As this last Wednesday night, I had several people talk to me, say, Pastor, there's so much fear. Could you talk about the spirit of fear and why we deal with it? So on Wednesday nights, folks, you really need to come as it will give you a, a foundational grasp on this cornerstone that we trust. Because just because we're founded strong in Christ doesn't mean the storms aren't going to blow. The issues aren't going to happen. But it's that foundation that causes you not to stumble and fall. 
it's that foundation. Amen? So as we sing just these few words, Bob, I have them on the screen so we can, we can articulate. Don't just sing it as a song. Don't just speak it as words. Let this be your prayer this morning as we get into today's message. And say, God, this is my hope. This is my hope. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can you say amen this morning? Everyone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. Than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. righteousness. I dare not trust. I dare not trust anything else. The sweetest friend. But where I stand, where my victory is, where my hope is in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? In Christ alone. Come on, lift your hearts. In Christ alone. the fact that God is here. You know why God is here, church? God is not here because we're in a building. Come on, you can, you can sit down if you'd like. You can stand up if you'd like. I don't want to take anybody away from anything, but I want you to these words as we declare and we make a victory statement. I want you to know all of hell crumbles and all of heaven glories because we know who our strength is. We know who our victory is. God in this house. Come on, somebody get excited. <laughs> Everyone, come on. Open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord. We, we want to see you. Open our ears, Lord. Open our ears, Lord. We want to know you. Come on, sing it out, church. Open our ears, Lord.
music bill if you would please right behind us go ahead and have a seat i'm going to ask you to uh play more than conquerors but i'm going to ask valerie wells if she would come and i need the leaders the elders of the church if you would come valerie has been going through chemotherapy over the last few months and tomorrow is her last treatment okay And our prayer today is that this time is the last time and there will be no next time. Come on, let me say it again. This time is the last time and there will be no next time. Now I want you to hear, I want you to hear the declaration of God. God's word does not say we will not face storms. Sadly, too many Christians throw in the towel. Instead of using the towel to dry off with just because the storm showed up. We need to understand, God never promised a safe journey. Just a peaceful landing. Are you okay? Now, if I have some really faith-filled people that would like to get out of their chair and come stand around our leaders, I want you to come. Because like I said, this time is going to be the last time. There is going to be no next time. Okay? And I want you to stand right around this. Why? Because greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Come on, if you need to, if you need to come around, just swing around here, church. You know what? A lot of people, they think, well, the pastor, you know, he's the one that's got to do this or she's the one that's got to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you what, I love everybody, but I would rather a child pray for me many times than many adults. Why? Because the Bible says you have to have faith as a child. And sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, it takes nobody special but everybody that is special. So I wonder if you at all, the rest of us stand to our feet in this building, stretch your hands forward here, and let's pray. The Bible says there's power in agreement. And let's pray that this time is the last time and there is no next time. So come on, church. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. It is not by might. It is not by power. It is by your spirit, Father. And in Jesus' name, God, we thank you, Lord. You said call for the elders of the church. 
God, they shall lay hands on the sick. God, they'll anoint them with oil, Father God. And the prayer of faith will heal them, God. If there's any sin, God, they'll be forgiven. And Father, in Jesus' name, as Valerie comes today, I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, not by might or power, God. Lord, as they go in to do the procedure tomorrow, God, you gave man the ability to do this procedure. You gave man the wisdom. God, you use man to do the work. But Father, it is by your grace, God, that healing and virtue has flowed. We thank you, Lord, today. God, this time will be the last time, and there will be no next time. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and all of God's people shouted, Come on, give him praise in the house of God. Amen. Come on, church, there is no condemnation. Now there is no guilt or shame. No guilt or shame. For those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. And now the words of our accuser. Romans chapter 12. Have been robbed of all their power. He tries to do it. The enemy has but been has defeated by the blood of by Jesus.
shows up in church folks I tell you I've been to some churches God ain't within a million miles of that church but you know why God shows up not just because you show up see the Bible says wherever two or more are gathered how John a lot of people gather but where's Jesus we gather to listen to a great eloquent orator or do we gather to see Jesus I didn't hear that I'm not sure if I wanted to we come to meet Jesus and God said in Isaiah 55 his word goes forth to accomplish that which pleases him and it will not return to him void when I go to church on Sunday morning and you know I'm the pastor can I tell you something when I come to church Sunday morning I love all of you I greet all of you I shake hands with all of you I hug on all of you but I'm not coming to see you I'm coming to see Jesus can somebody say amen when God shows up, I'm okay. When God shows up, I'm okay. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you. God, in this place, thank you. God, we thank you. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we praise you. God, you are worthy. Come on, church, just begin to praise him, would you? God, we thank you, Lord. We praise and we magnify the name above every name. Come on, as the music's playing, the Holy Spirit is just, he's drawing people. He's drawing. Maybe you've got to find a place at this altar. Maybe you need to kneel down right there by your chair, whatever the case is. God wants to touch you for what you came to be touched for this morning. But pastor, the, the, 
the sermon hasn't happened. The sermon may not happen. We just let God happen. Can you say amen? God, we thank you, Lord. God, you are worthy. 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 For the Lord your God will speak to you this morning. Hearken unto his voice. Why are you always waiting for something to happen? Why are you always waiting for some direction to transpire? Or some event to unfold? Do you not know that I am always there when you gather in my name? And I will meet you right where you are. Oh, you don't have to be cleaned up, fixed up, straightened up. Just look up. I love you so much. I love you so much. These last hours have been very perplexing for most. But the reality, I haven't gone anywhere. Have I not said in my word that these hours would happen? And though I try not to startle or frighten or dismay you, It is only the beginning of the sorrows, the struggles, the difficulties. But you do not fear. You do not worry. For I told you, I will not let you go through something you cannot handle. I will make a way to escape. Thank you, Lord. But listen, not that it disappears, but that you can bear up under it. My sons, my daughters, there's there's been so much miscommunication that's been in my name. Look at the communication and look at my word because I've already communicated what will be and what has been and what's yet to come. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me and me only. Do not yield to the left, to the right. Man will lead you this way. Man will lead you this way. But if he does not lead you my way, it is not the right way. Trust me. And I will get you through everything. I will strengthen you in everything. And I will cause you to come out victorious with everything. Says your Lord and God. As your Lord and God. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise, church. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we thank you, Lord. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. God, if you are for us, Thirty-one. Come on, declare it out, church. 
No music, no music. We are more than conquerors. Okay, just the congregation, no singers. Come on, say it like you mean it, church. God. Come on, say it again. We are more than. Come on, let the devil in hell hear it and, and shudder. God, if you are for us, we are more than conquerors. Come on, everyone. We are more than conquerors. God, if you are for us, who can be against us? We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. God, if you are for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Standing in your love. Come on, church. It is through the grace of God that we stand and have victory. Come on, give him one more hand clap of praise this morning, would you? Praise the Lord. You can be seated. How many appreciate our worship team today? I want to quickly just take you into God's word. Just for a few moments. Just for a few moments. If you have your Bibles which I hope you do, I want you to open your Bibles to Jeremiah 29. If you don't have your Bibles, you have your cell phone. Open your cell phone. But put Facebook away and put the Bible in front of you. Okay? If you don't have a phone, do a pad or do something. Somewhere you can get to Scripture. We had somebody graciously donated a a bunch of Bibles to the church so we can have some extra Bibles. We've had lots of them over the years, but they kind of just walk away, which is a good thing. And so we've had somebody graciously donate a bunch of Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, you don't have a phone, you don't have some way to get to a scripture, I want you to slide over next to somebody. If you don't know them, why? Introduce yourself, okay? Scoot over next to them because I want to read these passages, okay? Amen. Jeremiah 29. I want to start out by making these statements. If God has made us victorious in him, why doesn't it feel that way? I don't know if I can talk about you, but I can talk about me. I can talk about Valerie. Why why is she going through this if God's made her victorious? See, the Bible tells us that God uses the things of this world. To strengthen us, to help us, to encourage us. Today what I want to do is is I want to do something. I want to look past the symptoms and I want to jump right to the problem. The Bible says God has no limitations. How many believe that? But we do. The fact is that it's not God's limitations that are the issue. It's our limiting God. And the way we see God. The title of today's message is up here. I had a phone call. said, Pastor, is this supposed to be further or farther? And I said, well, part of the country I come from, further is always better. But farther 
is synonymous in times, yet further has a deeper meaning to it. When I put this title together, the higher we look, the further we see, or the higher we look, the farther we see. Further is part of farther, and farther is part of further. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not going into deep things. But I want you to look at the term further for a moment. Further means to be able to be able to be to be able to see beyond the past and the future. When I can see further, I'm not limited to the past or the future. I set my limits in God. Too many spend too much time thinking about we have to know where everything is or how everything works before we can get what everyone wants, and that's victory. I have been more victorious in the midst of some of the greatest struggles in my life than by having nothing. A true story that I share, and I've shared this before and I've shared it years ago, but I share it today about a young man that was being interviewed to be a steamboat pilot on the Mississippi River. And I want you to listen to what this young boy said. At first off, the interviewer looked at him and said, he's too young. He, uh, he, there's no way possible he could figure this out. But I want you to listen to what he says. So the interviewer thought he would just, inter- just close the interview quickly and get it over with. So he asked the young man, do you know where all the rocks are on the Mississippi River? If you're a riverboat captain, you have to know where the rocks are. And we think, well, if I was good, I would know where everything is. I would know how everything works. I would know why this is happening, why that's happening. Am I making any sense today? A lot of this struggle I'm teaching on, 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 uh, not on, I'm teaching on spiritual warfare on Wednesday nights. And this last week I started dealing with the spirit of fear. And do you know why the spirit of fear gets into your life or a life? It's because things don't seem to go the way they think that we think they should. And so immediately the devil brings in condemnation to make a thing a shoe. And the spirit of fear just comes in and keeps us bound into what wasn't, therefore keeping us blind in what can be. Am I making any sense today? The riverboat interviewer said, son, do you know where all the rocks are? And the boy said, no, sir, I don't. Well, immediately the interviewer hung his head and he started to say, well, that's the end of the interview. Until the boy spoke up and he said, but I know where they're not. He got the job. Can I tell you something? It's better for you to know where not to be than to not necessarily be specifically where you ought to be. The wrong place is always the wrong time, can you say amen? 
I don't care if you're trying to do, you're, you're trying to do right in a wrong way. It's still going to be wrong. Jeremiah 29, 11. I know y'all been patiently waiting for me, but I want you to look at this, this statement on the wall and then we'll read that passage. As we are trusting God, if we'll just be determined to know what we do know and then do what we do do well, all the rest has a way of coming together. Look at it again. If we'll just do what we know, Be determined to know what we do know. And then commit yourself to do what you do do in him well. Then God has a way of putting all the rest together. Jeremiah 29. We love that passage. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Look what it says. Plans to prosper you. The prosperity crowd, they love this passage. You're not a prosperity preacher? No, I'm not. Do I believe in the prosperity message of the Bible? Yes, I do. But the prosperity of the Bible is stewardship. It's not poverty and it's not prosperity. It's stewardship. I should have got at least three amens out of that one. Plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But can I tell you that Jeremiah 29, 11 starts long before the 11th verse. And you know what it starts with? With a perplexing situation. It's called 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Do you know why they got into 70 years of captivity? Because they rebelled. Do you know why you and I get into some of the stuff we get into? Because we don't like his way. We like our way. I was waiting for three or four more amens there. As soon as Hensley chimes in, I'm doing good. We have a tendency to limit God because of our limitations. So Jeremiah 29, 11 started before Jeremiah 29, 11. But what I want to do is I want to look at 11, 12, 13, and 14. Don't look yet. Look at me. You're going to cheat and get ahead of me. That's why I want you to get in your Bible. Okay? I want you to see this. Because even though they're the ones that caused all the problem, look at somebody and say, he can't be talking about me. And then look at somebody else and say, I just lied because he is talking about me. How many here have ever been guilty of their own problem? Okay, good. We have a few honest people. We'll open the altar for liars later. Look what it says here. Jeremiah 29, 11. Remember, they got themselves into that problem. And you know when we this verse we love? Let me tell you what God is saying right there. Oh, this isn't 
thus saith Tim Masters. We need to get the air conditioning up a little bit, Pastor, could you? It's either that. They keep telling me, Pastor, it's only hot on the platform because there's a lot of hot air up there. That's what they, they keep saying that. But it, it's not completely that way, folks. You know what God is saying? He's saying, look, and look at me, please, because he's saying this to them. He's saying this to us. I know you messed up. Look at me. I know it was your fault because you were looking to you and not me. You were looking to your job and not me. You were looking to your bank account and not me. You were looking to your family and not me. You were looking to fill in the blank and not me. God says, I know you messed up. But then look what he said. I haven't changed my mind. I know the plans that I have for you. Oh, come on. Five amens isn't enough. God says, I know it wasn't because of me. It was because you did it wrong. He said, I still have good plans for you. And my plans are to prosper you. Now, prosperity, folks, it doesn't mean dollars and cents. Prosperity is all aspects of life. Plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. Said God, you know what God's telling him? He said, guys, I know you have messed up badly, but I didn't change my mind. I still have these plans for you. But look what it says as we go on here. I know some of you on the edge of your seat just waiting. Look what he says. He said, when you get your act together, look at somebody and say, I, I don't wear steel-toed shoes today, so he's going to step a little bit, aren't he? Okay? He said, when you guys realize it's about me and not you, that victory comes because you have a relationship with me, not just in and of yourself. Look what he says here. Then you will call to me and you will pray to me and I will. Bible's very clear. God hears not the, the prayer of sinners. So when you choose to go live in your own muck and mire, God said, you calling me? He said, if you want to call me with repentance, I'm listening. But if you want to call me to get me involved in your stuff, ain't happening. Okay, look what he says here. He says, then I will listen. And you will seek me. And you will find me. Uh Uh-oh, here's this phrase. When you do it with all of your heart. You see, folks, the issue that we have in the limitations of our life is where we put God in that life. Just really quick, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to take as much time as I can. God promises that he will turn your mess into a message. You know why? Because he wants others to see that while you still smell like hog slop. Now, if you know what I'm talking about, the prodigal son was in the hog trough of life, eaten with the pigs when he came walking home to dad. And I can tell you, he probably didn't smell really good. But dad still opened his arms and said, come on home, son. Come on. So 
He'll turn that mess into a message. And in your notes, look at this. It's on the screen. God will do what you can't. God will. Okay. But then I, I want to transition this a little bit because God will never do for you what you can do. Pastor, what does that mean? That's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of deep. Very simply, God expects us to repent. God expects us to return. God expects us to renew. God, the reason the prodigal father never went after the son is because he said, man, I made everything possible for you to live a life of victory and hope and prosperity and overcoming. But why are you going that way? I'm over here. God will never do for us what we can. But he will never expect us to do what we can't. Therefore, too many limit themselves simply because they base what they can do in the memory of what they haven't done. Well, I didn't do this right. I didn't do that right. I didn't do the other thing right. Join the rest of us. But aren't you glad somebody did right and his name was Jesus? I I talk to people all the time. You know, they're not happy with their job, but they're afraid they can't get a better job because they haven't finished a certain school grade or haven't received some form of higher education. Can I tell you something? When you learn to look higher, you will be able to see further. Do you know before I ever got a bachelor's degree, before I ever got a master's degree, before I ever got a doctorate degree... I'd already been pastoring for five years. But I had a lot of people ask me, well, what kind of degrees you have? You got a PhD? You got a BOC? I said, no, I got G-O-D. So I figured I'd better go to school. So I went to school and I... uh, you know, I got all these papers hanging on the wall, all these rags, as I call them, hanging on the wall back there. And, and, and people say, well, pastor, where are they at? I never saw them. It's because they're behind the door in the office and the door is usually open. I was pastor for five years and I figured, okay, God, I, I know you don't need it, but apparently they need it. So I went out and went to school and got all this understanding and stuff. And, and you know what? I'm still pastoring the same way. You know why? Because God's word didn't change by degree. God's word was still established by decree. Can I tell you something? If you don't like your job, quit. Say, Pastor, I can't quit my job. There's not enough jobs out there. I'm not talking about physically leaving that job. Stop working for the job you're working for and start working unto the Lord. He will make it a whole lot more enjoyable. Well, you just don't understand. No, maybe you don't understand. There was a boy that was in school and... 
And this boy was sent home from school. And the note said, keep this boy at home. He's backward and he's unteachable. The boy couldn't even talk right. Your pastor feels in good company. His vocabulary skills are so far behind the other students, he can't even do simple things like like arithmetic and counting. Send him home. He's, He's backward and unlearnable. His name was Albert Einstein. The limitations of man. See, God has no limitations. Am I making any sense today? I've come to resolve, ladies and gentlemen, in my own self, that the road of success is always paved with the bricks of failure. But God said, I will do what you can't. So stop looking at what you can't do and get your eyes focused on what you can do. But listen to this, number two, God won't do what you can. God will do what you can't, but he won't do what you can. You say, well, pastor, what can I do? You can put God first. Can I tell you when the uplook is always good, the outlook never matters? When I get myself focused correctly, but here's what happens in the church of Jesus Christ. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step on one or two toes, maybe three. The world is caught up in what, I, what is called an attitude of entitlement. Can I tell you the church is caught up in the same attitude? We're waiting on God to do for us what he told us to do ourselves. One of the things is go to church. Well, bless God, I don't have time to go to church. You sure got time to go fishing. You got time to watch that four-hour stinking movie. Pastor, are you going to meddle if I can? We, we, we got time to do all kinds of things, but we don't have time for God. See, God won't do what we can. We said, Pastor, make that simple. God doesn't live in time. But he made time for you. And he said that we have to be good stewards of time, especially in the evil hour we live. A lot of us love to ridicule Peter. Over and over, Jesus was saying, oh, ye of little faith. Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water. And then took his eyes off of Jesus. It's very simple there, folks. When he had his eyes on Jesus, he was doing the impossible. Yeah, but he took his eye off of Jesus. And has anybody sitting in your chair done that before? And he sunk. But, you know, the bigger thing is, did you hear anybody else say, can I come do the impossible too? See, nobody else was saying, I want to get out of that boat and try that walk on water stuff. And sometimes God wants you to step out of your comfort zone, step out of your boat, step out of what always has been to see what yet can be. That's called seeing further than you've ever seen before. Well, Pastor, what if I, 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 Can I ask you a question? Why is it that we somehow never see God in failure, but only in success? 
You know, that's kind of a strange attitude for a people who have a cross as the center of our faith. You see, the world calls that failure. God called it victory. Matter of fact, Colossian writer said, you know, if the gods of this world would have known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. I think the greater failure is the person that stops trying. Samuel smiles, it's on the screen, says we learn wisdom from failure much more than we do from success. We often discover what will do by finding out what will not do. The only person who never made a mistake is very likely the same person who never made a discovery. And folks, I like discovering new things. I like stepping out of what I've always done in to what God yet has for me to do. You see, if God's plans for you and I are success, why is our plans different? Uh, it's not. Did you ever think that maybe a failure or two was part of God's plan? One amen is all I got. Let me say it again. Do you think maybe a failure or two was part of God's plan? Maybe it takes a fall to get us to stand in him. So if you and I believe success is ours, if you and I believe victory is ours in Christ, why do we let a little bump in the road detour God's plan? Look what James chapter 2 says. Look what it says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't have actions? What kind of faith is that? Can it save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has food or needs, uh, has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and good day. Stay warm. And eat well. But then you don't give them any clothes. You don't give them any food. What good does that do? Listen to what the scripture is saying. Faith by itself. Oh, I'm slapping the grace only folks. Faith by itself. You know, my brother is school superintendent over in Sanders. Y'all know where Sanders is? You know what? He can sit at home all day long. It ain't going to run that school. He's got to get off that little old couch. I was going to say something else, but I won't. And he's got to get in that little old car or jump on that fine motorcycle of his. He's got to cruise over to Sanders. And sit himself in that chair and take care of that business. He can say, oh, I believe everything's going to be good. I believe everything's going to be good. I believe, But if he ain't showing up, how does he know everything's going to be good? You see, if you and I don't get God involved in us, we can speak faith all day long. Well, how come nothing's changing? I don't know. Why is nothing changing? Could it be that God's not involved? 
I love God. Yeah. I believe. Okay. The devil's in hell believe. And they tremble. Have we? You see, he, James is writing here, and I love James. James is the Lord's brother, half-brother. He didn't even get saved until after the resurrection. He watched a whole lot of stuff before he showed up. And he said, faith by itself is not enough unless it produces good deeds. Oh, look at that word. Circle that word in your notes. That word, deed. Look at that that word in your notes. But I, I'm old enough, and, and, and so is <clears throat> Mr. Hute here. When we were raised, they used to give you a deed of ownership, a title deed. See, when Jesus really owns your life, he controls your life. When he has the deed to your life, he doesn't ask you, well, what do you think about this, Pastor? He just says, Pastor, this is what we're doing. And you know what the pastor does? He says, okay. He just, he just does it. He said, if I'm the owner of your life, people are going to see me in your life. He says, some people have faith. Other people have deeds. And without deeds, your faith is worthless. Love that whistle go a little further and hit the bottom. <laughs> James says, okay, you want to hear the bottom line of it? You want to know why God has limitations in your life or mine? It's because our faith is dead. Because we lack late deeds. How can you show me your faith if you don't have Deeds, good deeds. He said, I will show you what faith looks like. Here's my life. Folks, nothing in the world takes the place of persistence. Committing your life to Christ and then going and moving and learning and growing. Nothing in the world takes the place of persistence. You give your life to Christ, I'm there, Lord, for the long haul. Like I shared last week, it's not a, it's not a dash. It's a marathon. I am one of the losers. I've lost all guilt and shame that I could win Christ. Because in Christ, only the losers when he said persistence talent will not there's nothing more common than unsuccessful men with talent genius will not unrewarded genius is almost a proverb listen to this ladies and gentlemen education will not the world is full of educated derelicts 
Persistence and determination alone are the greatest. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? If God is for me, who can be against me? Come hell or high water, I'm going through. Can you say amen? If I can't find a door, I'm looking for a window. If I can't find a window, ladies and gentlemen, there's a wall coming down somewhere. Persistence, determination. But here's the problem. Is we get so centered upon ourselves that the smallest risk, the smallest change becomes too great. And in that, both success and failure will destroy. If I succeed, it'll destroy me because I'll get caught up in myself. If I fail, I'll be destroyed because I can't believe in myself. It's because we don't have God in the mix. Am I making any sense at all? If a man is centered upon God, no risk is too great. See, that's what I was talking about when I, on Wednesday night when I was talking about the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear gets a door into our lives when it's all about us or there's nothing that we can do right. He comes in and he stops us from a life of victory. He stops us from living an overcoming dimension of our lives. Can I tell you something? And folks, listen to me. When our relationship is such that the only victory I can get in my life is when I call somebody else, I call the pastor, I call somebody else to pray for me. Folks, this is great. But if I can't get victory any other way, then my victory rests on them, not him. We come to church kind of as a refueling station for the next week. But can I tell you something? I refuel every day. I open God's word. Hmm. And I feel the gas tank getting fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller and fuller. And you say, well, pastor, does it ever overflow? No, God just makes a bigger filling tank fuller. And fuller. Because that day I might need more fuller than I did yesterday. And I just keep getting fuller. And I don't have to wait till church. You see, what? Well, then why do we go to church? So that we can help everybody else get fuller around you. That do not forsake assembling together. Especially as you see those last days. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can't learn to begin to think for ourselves, pray for ourselves, read God's word for ourselves, that's what the children of Israel were doing that got them into a mess. They got everybody else's gods involved. And God said, okay, fine. You want to serve their gods? How about 70 years in Babylon? There you go. And then when they came to their senses, 
say, Pastor, when did they come to their senses? When a few men of God stood up and said, enough's enough. Okay, we're, we're, we're done with this. Remember? What was the guy's name? Oh, yeah, the, the lion guy. Daniel? It cost him a lion's den. But Daniel said, okay. And all the people said, but them lions are awful hungry. And Daniel said, okay. And they put him in the lion's den. And the king looked down in there, Darius, and, oh, Daniel, it's pretty, it's pretty serious when a guy's deeds in his life are so powerful that even a heathen king looks down into the pit and says, Daniel, your God will deliver you. When they see God so much in your life, your God will deliver you. So Daniel's in there, and he's saying, man, this is a bunch of rocks and dirt. Kitty, 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 I need a pillow. And he lays his head on one of the lions and goes to sleep. He woke up the next morning, and Darius said, oh, Daniel, has God delivered? You see, the heathen aren't quite sure. But Daniel was. That's why he could speak out and said, Oh, king, live forever. The God that I serve has delivered me from the mouth of the lions. Now listen, God didn't keep him from the lions. You might have a lion situation in your life. You might have some towering giant. I've been wanting to do this. You might have some towering. If you're on that side behind the pulpit, you can move over here. and I'll be here for a moment. This giant might be walking up and said, what are you, a dog? And you can just stand up there. You know why? Because you have the deed of ownership. And God's swinging it and said, you're mine. I got this thing for you. You see, when God owns you, he said, don't worry about the victory. I'll take care of the battle. It's already yours. So he says, you might come to me with all these weaponry and all this stuff. But he said, I'm coming to you in the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you know what God did? He said, Dan, uh, David, kick back. I got this one. You say, well, okay, pastor, then why did Daniel, why did David pick up five stones? Because Goliath had four ugly brothers. You can find that. He was son of the king of Bashan. He was in that area. He had four ugly brothers. So David said, I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get you, and I'm going to get you. You see, when you belong to God, everything's victorious. I got no limitations. You say, well, pastor, that's pretty arrogant. I call it confident. I know who I serve. Man, this is good stuff. I'm glad I came today. This is this is. But if you and I never learn to think 
for ourselves. We will always be in bondage to those who think for us and we will be limited in our ability to mature, grow, and develop in all God wants us to do because it has to run through you know who. I'm almost done. Daniel rose up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, King Nebi, baby, we ain't going to bow down to you. Oh, your statue's pretty, but we ain't bowing down. You know why? Because we have somebody has a deed of contract, and he owns our lives, and we don't have any other idols before him. Can you say amen? And Nebuchadnezzar got a little bit upset. He said, you won't bow down? Fine. I'm going to put you in the fire. How many here, you stopped going forward? You limited yourself because they said, if you do this, I'm going to do that. I offended somebody a few weeks ago when I said this, but I'm going to say it again. You know what you do is you just stand up and say, I'm your huckleberry. Okay, it's in a movie, folks. It's a, it's real. It's Doc Holliday saying, okay. yeah, "Folks, ladies and gentlemen, why do we give up instead of get up? Why do we give in instead of step in? Why do we give out?" Instead of run out in the middle of what God's doing. Jeremiah 29, 11. God said, yeah, you messed up. I understand. But I still have the same plans for you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood before the king. And they said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Did I say listen to this? they said the God we serve will deliver us but listen 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 listen. calm down I'm sure okay there we go listen and even if he doesn't. I'm still not going to give in to you. Come on, get excited, church. God is going to deliver me. But even if he doesn't. See, we're afraid he's not going to. You know why a lot of people won't pray for Valerie? They're afraid God's not going to heal him. My job is to pray. His job's to heal. I pray, I'm done. His job. Well, you know, what if he doesn't pray? It wasn't a healer. Oh, she, she will be healed. I guarantee. Folks, what do we do with that even if he doesn't part? Now we know the story. They went into the fire. They were bound. So hot was the fire 
that the soldiers that threw them in died. And they got inside the fire. And I'm sure Shadrach looked at Meshach and Abednego and said, hey, it was getting kind of cold out there anyway. This is nice. And you know what the Bible says? The fire burnt their binds, their bondage, their ropes. You know, sometimes God lets you get in the fire, just get you out of bondage. Sometimes God lets you fall just to stand. He lets you fail just to win. See, God doesn't have limitations. Look at somebody and say, but the person sitting in my chair does. But you don't have to. And and you know what's so cool? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They came out of that fire. And you know what? The Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke. We went over to to Justin and Shirelle. Are you guys here today? We went over to their house and, and we had a, a uh, devil burning party. They had, they had these comic books. They look like demon books, folks. Max, a couple of them were called demon. And they said, Pastor, we just think we need to get rid of this stuff. Some of them were worth money. Yeah, they weren't theirs. They didn't buy them. They came amongst them. And they said, we need to get rid of this stuff. They could have sold it and put that demon in somebody else's hands. But we went there and, and we had a little fire party. It was chilly outside. We lit the fire. Feeling nice out here, isn't it, honey? Hot cocoa. You see, that's what happens even if you go in the fire. Just say, Lord, did you bring the cocoa? And they... We got done with that fire. We burned all this stuff. And my wife and I smelled like smoke. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't smell like smoke. You know why? When God goes in the fire with you, he keeps you not just partially covered. He keeps you completely covered. He said, my plans haven't changed. Jeremiah 29. He said, Romans 8, if I'm for you, Who can be against you? In Psalm 118, he said, if I'm on your side, why are you afraid of what man can do? In Philippians 4, it still says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to stand to your feet all over this building. It's time for you and I to loose the limits off our life. Say, Pastor, how do we do that? Micah chapter 6, verse 8, records it completely. They were coming to God as the worship team comes. They were coming to God, and, and they were trying to get their hearts right with God. They were trying to get things right with God. They were trying to get all the stuff with God back together. And they said, God, what do you expect for us? We've messed up. We've blown it. We've fallen short so much. What do we do? Do you want Do you want a 1,000 rivers of oil? You can see it in Micah chapter 6. Do you want 10,000 head of ram, goats, and, and sheep? Do you want our firstborn and God said no I don't want any of that and then he said three things he said I just want you to do justly love mercy and walk humbly see victory ladies and gentlemen is really 
not that difficult to live in. If God is for me, who can limit me? Every child of God must ultimately realize that what he or she believes will be the motivation or the detrimation that leads to victory or defeat. Second Corinthians. Folks, please take these notes home with you. I work very hard to take my notes and turn them into your notes so you can take them and study. I don't want the only part of this message you to hear is here on Sunday morning. Take it home with you. Study it. Look for yourself. Is this really what the Word of God's saying? Second Corinthians says, if willingness is there, if a dedication of heart is there, if a purpose of life is there, all you have is acceptable. Listen to this. According to what you have. Not according to what you don't have. Get your eyes off of what's not happening. And say, God, show me what is happening. And then base your life on the victory. See, Scripture says we can do all things. He is still the God that speaks those things that are not as though they are. It's time, folks, and please don't take offense at this, but it's time to stop the poor, pitiful me syndrome. Stop complaining about what's not happening and what we don't have and start rejoicing in what we do have and where we currently are. If it's not what it should be, do something about it. Do something. That's basically the picture of Jeremiah 29. God said, okay, you want to be in bondage? You want to go to all this junk? Fine. 70 years captivity, go for it. But you know why they were in there? God said, I still want you to get married. Your sons to get wives, your daughters to get husbands. I still want you to have kids. You know why? You're not going to be in this situation all this time. And then when I get you out of this, which Daniel knew, that's why he was going and praying. He's saying, God, I know. And we know in Daniel 10, he's praying. And for 21 days, he prayed and prayed because he knew the time of captivity was in. God told them when it was going to end. Well, how did they know? Because they asked. God said, I still want you to have children. Can, can I tell you right where you are? God said, trust me. Stand with me. I got victory for you. Get married. Have kids. Get grandkids. Get that new job. Step out in faith. Hell, what's it going to cost you? Your life. Nothing else. Oh, that's a lot. Not if he's the 
deed holder of it. Faith without deeds. He said, I haven't changed my mind. My plans are still to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope. And you know what that, that, that passage, that word future, in the original language, it says an expected end. God's got a plan for you to end up a certain way. Will you trust him for it? Will you trust him for it? Matters not. Does your past. God has a great future. Just for you. Father, today, today, can literally be the first day of the rest of our lives. But God, it can only be Oh, we might be in the lion's den right now. We might be in a fiery furnace. God, we might be at the very gates of hell, but you said they will not prevail. God, today, in my rebellion, in my self-centeredness, in my narcissism, God, in my limitations, I've stepped away from you. I'm coming home today. Take my mess and turn it into a message. God, today, I'm going to lose all guilt and sin. And I'm going to win in you. These altars are open. But before I invite you down, let me say that this whole message can't help you if you're not a Christian. You see, the first thing you got to do is you got to come to Christ. First thing. And then everything is yours. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I wonder if you just step out of your chair and come find a place at this altar. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to ask people to bow their heads. I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to ask you to do a Peter. Step out of your boat. Your mess has been a mess as long as it's been a mess. But God said it's time to become a message. If your heart's not right with God, you don't know Jesus, or you knew him at one time, and today you're turned away. I wonder would you make today the first day of the rest of your life? Come quickly before we change the order of this service. Amen. Others, be honest with God. Folks, just like the children of Israel, they knew what they were doing. Showing up in bondage wasn't a surprise. You getting into the situation you're in without Christ is not a surprise. But what you do about it It will be a surprise to hell, but it will be a celebration to heaven. Would you step out of your chair? Your heart's not right with God. doesn't matter why you're there. All that matters is that you're there. It's time. Would you come?
just come to this altar yes come on be honest with God church be honest with yourself we need some altar workers to come pray with people I'm not going to sit here and say oh you did this and you did this and you do this folks can I tell you I've done all kinds of things in my life thank God for his mercy others your heart's not right with God quickly come find a place at this altar altar workers if you would just pray with people but before you do I want to everybody at this altar you're going to pray this prayer your heart's not right with God I want you to look at me quickly look with me look at me look at me look at me today is going to be a different day it's not just going to be words it's not just going to be an emotion it's going to be a decision because you see a lot of prayers are prayed at an altar the salvation doesn't happen until you walk away and decide decide who has the ownership that deed of your life I keep waving that I don't have a deed I probably should put a deed here's owner's deed I don't have a pen thank you look at this look at this owner's deed God has that he has that for your life and for mine but he says until you decide who's going to have it as long as she keeps it she'll walk away from here and life will just go on but if she chooses to give it to God God will say okay I got your back I got your face I got your side I got you because she decided to let him have the honor deed is that what you're going to do today you're going to give God ownership he said yes are you going to say yes yes a lot of times we look at each other and say what's she going to say what's she going to say yes 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 and I want you to pray this prayer with me while we're at it let's all pray this prayer would you now, now folks please 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 I'm not one of those pastors that say well you just pray a prayer and everything's going to be okay it's not see I learned a long time ago when the windows of heaven are open to bless us the gates of hell are open to blast us it's okay when we give it to him so I want us to pray this prayer out loud out loud everybody in this place I want you to say Lord Jesus please forgive me today I ask you to come into my life forgive me of everything that is against you come into my life and set me free I give ownership to you Lord from today forward in Jesus name amen just kneel kneel down here with a minute folks will pray with you but I want to talk to the rest of you don't look around don't worry about the clock back there Bob has threatened me a hundred times he said I'm going to take that clock down if you don't stop paying attention to it I'm working on it Bob but look at me please how many messes have you had 
Are you ready for a new message to be written? God's got pen in hand. He's got pen in hand. He said, I know the plans I have for you. Will you allow those plans? Because without you, he can't do them. You and I are his only limitation. And he wants you to take those limits off. If you're here today, and I, I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you're at right now. But you're saying, God... I need to step back into what you're doing. Help me. I want to open these altars just for a moment, quickly. Don't, don't, take, don't take a lot. Well, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Folks, you got to think about it. It's already a mess. Just say, God, here. Here it is. Come quickly. Come quickly. People are coming. You step out of your chair. Come. Find a place at this altar and say, God, I'm giving it to you. God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm yielding to you.